With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just like that, final hours here for the Monday edition. Hot Mike with Huddy Withrow across the Outkick Network. Hot Mike, hot cocoa, baby. Hot cocoa here at 6th and Peabody for all to come and have for free. Amazing. It's for the public. It's just the season. Couldn't believe it. I went out there. I was like, I thought I had to give a secret password to get out. And I walked up like I was, you know, in on some drug deal. And I went up and said, I've heard there's hot cocoa yeah. here. And they said, yeah, it's right here. It's so do you anyone always that say, wants it. You always say hot cocoa or just because that's what they labeled it as? I always say hot chocolate. Um, I probably, I usually say hot chocolate, but I just saw the hot cocoa. So that's. Yeah. In the recesses of my brain right now. It's delicious. Chad's also big on eggnog. Um, have you had some of that already? Oh, yeah. I've had season? four different quarts of it already go through our household. Wow. I'm not the only one that drinks it. Everybody four in my house quarts. drinks it. Producing quarts. My eight-year-old daughter drinks way more than me. She absolutely loves it. She is an eggnog fiend. I also tried to pour some peppermint into oh, this. I've, they have a whole like a hot, heard about hot chocolate disaster. bar, and I was pouring it in there, and then... All of it just went out onto the bar as I was doing it. And had Davey, to tell Davey was laughing on his Krista, our bartender out there. I said, Krista, I'm sorry. I was compiling it. And uh, she said, if you knew how hard I worked to crush that peppermint. <laughs> so, bad on me. Crushing up more pepper in it now. Uh, bad on me. For the final hour. Uh, Chad, time for the top headlines uh, from the weekend. We'll, we'll start in the NFL for Scorched Earth. And we start with the Panthers and their move. David Tepper here in Nashville yesterday over – Heard and, and seen by some of the, the Carolina reporters coming out of the locker room, dropping the F-bomb, screaming it, uh, heated, upset about his one-win Carolina Panthers. This hours, hours ago, and I would say, what, 24 hours ago now, whenever this was being reported over at Nissan Stadium here, they get back this morning, Frank Reich fired as the Panthers head coach. Keep in mind, this is not something where you can get ahead of the interview process. You could last year. You could last year. This isn't college where we're trying to get into the transfer portal quicker no. and try to get with your roster in a, in a quick way. So you, you cannot interview potential candidates that are on a different staff right now with the new rule until after the divisional round of the playoffs. They can't interview, he cannot interview other coaching candidates until January 22nd. It's November 27th. And they could have, he could have hired, could have been and thrown more money at D'Amico Ryans, Shane Steichen, could have been in the mix much more with Sean Payton because the Panthers were among those teams that, Peyton was considering. It was Carolina, Houston, Denver as the three-pack. Uh, three he removed Carolina, and they went with Frank Reich, who had been on the street and was fired midseason last year. And, Chad, based on the hire, I thought it was Reich who had the control, brought in as the veteran coach to oversee 
the organization as they trade up to get the number one overall pick with Chicago and they go and identify Bryce Young as that QB. And now, just after Thanksgiving, he's out based on the production. There was a big play in the game yesterday. No one was watching this awful matchup between the Titans and the Panthers. But case in point here, because Will Levis against Bryce Young. I like some of the things I saw from Bryce Young, by the way. But there's a crucial play late in the game where they have three receivers running in the same area covered by three Titans defensive backs who are not that good. And it's easy to cover receivers, plural, whenever they're literally trying not to run into each other based on the route and the concept and the formation. That's where they were with the rookie QB who's running for his life behind a terrible offensive line. And now back-to-back seasons where Tepper's going with the interim coach, uh, Tabor is going to take over. And a terrible start for Bryce Young because more than anything, Chad, it's about continuity. And he's starting in a very similar fashion to what we saw in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. That's the that's the perfect comparison because I watch Bryce Young and I think about that Urban Meyer season uh, with Trevor Lawrence where he's it, it doesn't feel organized. You know, it doesn't feel cohesive at all. That right. I don't really know what they're even trying to do. The offensive line is terrible. A lot of similarities to uh, to Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. Andrew Brandt just posted on X. He says, David Tepper fired Matt Rule with $40 million left on his contract. Then David Tepper fired Frank Reich with $30 million left on his contract. Who is saying that is not an attractive job opening when you look at what he's paying in buyouts right now to fired coaches? Um, you mentioned the, the in-season hard knocks with, with the Colts yes. and Frank Reich on his way out. It changed my perception. That that was a big red flag for me, but I also I think you know what you're getting with Frank Reich based on his reputation around the league, which isn't a bad reputation. And a former QB, but it's he, not he, played, a, he was the first quarterback for the franchise. Yeah, it's not a fire and brimstone type, you know, turn franchises around and when things start going rough, he's going to change his personality and get mean with players and get things back into shape. He's not that guy. Frank Reich's never going to be that guy, so you kind of know what you have this, with that. And for them to do it now, to just say anything is better than Frank Reich at this point in time, and we'll go with an interim coach the rest of the way, I think it's telling about where David Tepper is. And David Tepper now has the reputation, given what he's done with both his NFL team and his MLS team, with firing coaches quickly, that it's kind of a coach killer type job. If you don't go in and get results immediately to what he wants – you're not going to last very long. So the the there was a report that a, a Panthers someone in uh, uh, within the Panthers organization structure, it was anonymous, said that the Panthers offense looks quote lifeless, boring, and predictable. This is before kickoff yesterday. Uh, and then you look at the numbers. Bryce Young, it's another game where he does not have a passing touchdown. They have not scored more than 15 points um, since they played, I believe, the Jets. Earlier this season, um, in a again, it's been awful. Uh, point being, Tommy DeVito has eight touchdown passes in five games. Bryce Young has nine. Think about that. It's crazy. Number one overall pick, and Tommy DeVito comparing things with the Giants. You know, it's not like he steps in. He's 
with uh, Justin Jefferson, right? That's all you need to know. And I, I look, you get what you pay for. They can pony up and get someone better than a Frank Reich version to lead the and steer the ship now for Bryce Young because they're all in with him, and they should be. I've seen nothing. There's nothing that's going to change my mind, and he's in a bad spot. But, I mean, Chad, when he's on the move, and that's kind of the offense now you see across the NFL, get him some help around him, please. And he could be okay. He's still making some nice throws, but they're not scoring points. Yeah, even yesterday, he had some magic with his legs, picking up some first downs, third and longs, uh, scrambling. Um, it's it's Trevor Lawrence, perfect example. It's just a yeah. bad situation traded, for a rookie quarterback. Traded away McCaffrey last year. Hired Reich, who was 3-5-1 when he was fired with Indianapolis. Jim Harbaugh, he's ready to return to the sidelines. God, can he not get a better backdrop for the Big Ten video conference? Or do you think he just does that on purpose? It's like a whiteboard with just one photo that he's put up behind him. Clearly, I mean, that's definitely placed there on purpose with him and his son. Yeah, I, I think that's just him sort of trolling uh, for, for what he's doing. I don't, I don't think he wants a great backdrop. He's uh, rejuvenated. Pure energy, ready to go. Yeah, I, I. Sharon Moore did a terrific job. Yes. All right. I, I. This is such a weird thing because when the suspension was announced, the first thought was, okay, here's Ohio State's opportunity to strike. So they're not even going to be playing for a Big Ten championship. Now I look at them and think they're sort of gaining momentum. They didn't play great against Maryland. That was a, a little bit too close for comfort. But I now, the same thing for. James Franklin. Now Harbaugh is back, and you're playing a team that doesn't have an offense that can't complete a forward pass in Iowa, so that you should be fine there. Um, I would be excited to come back if I'm Jim Harbaugh too with this team, based on the way they look when you could not coach on game days. Th- granted, he's there with the team all week in preparation, everything else. But and that's big. But I, I, th- there is some some belief of you know Michigan is six and zero without Harbaugh this year, and. Granted, they've won the other games with him too, but you don't want to upset the apple cart too much. And I think Harbaugh knows that, and it's going to be fine. But I would be ready to go if I'm Jim Harbaugh as well based on what they've done without him. It makes me think of this. How many coaches who are not calling plays on one side of the ball, if they're not there on game day, would it impact what's going on on the field? I think a big part of the results we're seeing with the Wolverines have to do with McCarthy at quarterback. You've got someone that's you know, ingrained in that system. And you have Blake Corum in the backfield. You have some vets up front on the offensive line. You know who you are in your identity. You just stick with that. But what we didn't really see, and we saw it a little bit, but not consistently, we didn't see the tough in-game decision-making that a head coach has to make for them. A little bit, but not a ton. But when we saw it for Ryan Day, and Chad, you've mentioned this, he was still outcoached. He still made the blunders where he's not going and being aggressive in those situations. But I think if Ryan Day's not on the sideline with that quarterback, it's a different result. I think a lot of it has to do, especially just look around uh, college football right now with some of the bad quarterback play. There's some good, also some bad. If you take away, if you have a first-year quarterback, even in the portal, I don't think you're going to measure up the same way that Michigan did. Three for three on fourth downs for Sharon Moore. And everyone I'm watching and thinking, here's a big call for an interim head coach. On some of them, whether or not to go for it, it wasn't always a no-brainer. And he had the right call dialed up every time and went three for three. 
That's a big mark in his column as a head coach. Davey posed the question earlier that if Harbaugh doesn't return, do you just promote Sharon Moore? I think that has everything to do with what this NCAA investigation tells us about knowledge within that staff and whether or not you just want to promote from within, given that you're going to be promoting someone who was around the whole scandal, two of them now that's taking place with Michigan football and two separate NCAA investigations. But from what I've seen with that team and the way they respond to him and the way he coaches on game day, absolutely. If there's nothing else the NCAA and Jim Harbaugh were to leave for whatever reason, uh, I'm promoting Sharon Moore and hoping that you just keep things rolling the Harbaugh way at Michigan. And we'll see what happens as they, they'll beat Iowa, but we'll see what happens in the playoff because, Chad, they, they just know they're going to play bully ball in the Big Ten because they did it against Penn State where they're running. There's an example of it in the game, the game-ending drive that, that I point to. Uh, it, it, the drive began, it began with about eight minutes left. It lasted until it took five and a half minutes off the clock. Of the 12 plays, nine were runs. Yeah, it's exactly and, what they want to do. Yeah, and they did, what, how many in a row uh, in the second half against Penn State? That was more of a troll job, I thought. Yeah, it was like 17 but at they, one point. But they still, in the, in the moment, the driving in game, they just did what they've always done recently against Ohio State. We'll talk to Billy, uh, Billy Lucci about this a little bit later, but some news coming okay. in on Mike Elko's contract at A&M. He's going to make a base salary of $7 million a year and have a salary pool of $11 million for his assistant coaches. All in all, it's a $30 million contract for Mike Elko. That's a lot for Mike Elko, who's not been a head coach for a long time. But um, as some are reporting, and they're right, it is substantially less than what they would have paid Stoops to leave Kentucky based on his contract currently at Kentucky. And he's making nine over nine now? Yes. So he they would have paid substantially more to get Stoops away from Kentucky than Mike Elko at, at A&M because the initial thought was this is a cheap hire for A&M based on what they've done. Right. Not quite as cheap as some would have expected, but still cheaper than, say, Mark Stoops. Chad, uh, you posed this question right before we started the show. How long do you believe Jonathan Smith from Oregon State has known he was taking the Michigan State job when it, got, when it was done? But not officially done, but done. I mean, I, th- I think it's a great question. Could have known for a couple of months, uh, honestly. There's not been a lot of – because initially uh, the three coaches that I heard named for Michigan State were Lance Leipold, mm-hmm. Jake Dickard at Washington State, and Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. The two guys that were going to be left without a conference from the Pac-12 that had done a nice job. Washington State fell off a bit, almost came up with a big upset in the Apple Cup yeah. to end the season, but fell off a bit. Oregon State stayed consistently good throughout the year. And now Jonathan Smith leaves his alma mater where he was a quarterback for the Beavers to go to Michigan State. They could have had this thing wrapped up for the last month just waiting to announce it, for all we know. Yeah. uh, Now, I don't think that Smith, even if that were the case, would have told Oregon State brass that because he wouldn't want his team to stop playing. And they uh, they played great. With that much time left, right? Tough. You probably wait to get it completely finalized. But, I mean, this was pretty quiet for Michigan State with a lot of noise around that program. It was, it was really Leipold and that was it. With different scandals going on with that Michigan State program, this was done in a quiet, efficient manner to get Smith, who I think is a really good young coach. Leipold is the name that I thought would come back around now, and he hasn't. You know, that that, that was... I think he may actually be committed to Kansas. Yeah. And where's Matt and Campbell in all this? He turned down got opportunities big, to bolt. Got a big win. We'll talk to Tim Brando uh, yeah. about. Yeah, on Timmy Saturday B night. The, uh, in, the, in the snow. What a great game! Classic game. It's fun to watch. It, absolutely. Uh, then Jeff Levy, 
um, seems to be a great hire for Mississippi State. The fans, I, and I don't blame you, you should be thrilled with the fact that you're going back to offense based on what we've seen from Will Rogers prior to this year. Uh, and, and Mike Leach and, and how Rogers played there and the pass attempts and excitement, right? You're, you're putting up numbers. If you're not winning games, you're competitive and you're playing the modern era uh, style where you're putting up yards and points. And it was anything but that this year for the Bulldogs. But Chad, you said it's an old school hire, just going with the, the coordinator route, keeping it simple, keeping it quiet and allowing a coach that has never been a head coach, going back to the qualities that have built the coordinator yeah, and allowing him to build around those qualities. Hey, Chris Partridge at Michigan has just released a statement saying that he had no knowledge of the science ceiling investigation. Everything reported about him and his firing at Michigan has been incorrect. Uh, I will not be asking Tim Brando about Chris Partridge of the Michigan scandal, but we may talk about this later, Hutton. Yeah, Tim Brando coming up. Also, Billy Lucci. Straight ahead. Hot Mike with Hutton with her rolls on. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton with our rolls on with Timmy B, Tim Brando, who joins us. Uh, he was on the call. I was telling the crew here. He's thawed out from his game yeah, Saturday oh, night. I, I, I flipped on Kansas State, Iowa State in a classic with the snow. I, like, man, Timmy B's on the call. I didn't leave the game. Didn't leave the game. It was tremendous. But we're not even going to talk about that, Tim. We're going to have you on to talk about Michigan uh, off the field, if that's cool with you. <laughs> Under, understood. No, understood. no, of course, of course not. How about the atmosphere there and the scene uh, for what was a, just a fantastic game that's being overshadowed by a, a handful of others from the, the college football and, rivalry and weekend? And both teams letting it rip. You know, you don't see that all the time in weather games oh, where I yeah. feel like they're like, hey, yeah. we can play in this stuff. We can still throw the football. That was fun to watch. Honestly, because uh, Kansas State, at the time the game was being played, didn't figure into the Big 12 title uh, scenarios because Oklahoma State had taken care of business, as had Texas. Um, we were happy when we were finding out that the snow was going to come in. Now, we had to drive up from Oklahoma. We did the Sooners, you know, on yep. on uh, Friday uh, with their big win against TCU, which was really cool for Spencer because we'll never be back. Um, in all likelihood, we'll never be back uh, to Oklahoma because they're going to the SEC. And um, and we're not. We're going to be staying with Fox, at least for the foreseeable future. And, uh, you know, Spencer, that's his school. So to, to do the last Big 12 regular season game that Oklahoma would play uh, for him was very special. And uh, my family and his family all made it together uh, there with a lot of our crew. And uh, we were able to enjoy the, the Thanksgiving holiday with with our our family on the road and our family uh, from home, which came with us. So. 
grandkids and 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 wives and 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 the Tillmans and the Brandos are pretty close, so everyone was able to catch up. Then they left and moved south as we had to drive north. And Spencer, who's accustomed, uh, he took over for our broadcast associate in our big SUV, and he turned that five and a five plus hour drive to uh, Manhattan, Kansas. He turned that baby into about four ten uh, because he knew <laughs> oh that's great how to drive. And and uh, he he put the pedal to the metal in a few spots, uh, and then we got into Kansas and uh, on seventy seven that two lane highway that you have to take up when you get off of uh, thirty five. Uh, it started to snow at that point, and uh, and we he we needed him because there was a three car collision up in front of us, and he was able to get past it, and we were smooth sailing to get in there. We probably got uh, into town around noon before the game got underway. We knew we had a winter wonderland. <laughs> And, and, you know, people today, I, I say this all the time, college football is exceedingly popular now, and neither Iowa State or Kansas State are ratings monsters. You know, we know that. Uh, but both are good teams, and both have great stories to tell. And with the, the snow coming down, it was going to make for a, a, a fun environment and one that you know is going to look great on high-definition TV. And, and we thought that there might be uh, a lot of empties, and I'd, I'd say the place was probably somewhere close to three quarters full. I mean, there were it wasn't a sellout by any stretch, but the ones that were there were active, you know, for both sides. Yes. And and then you add to that the great cutaway shots that you can get of fans either building snowmen or snow angels or, you know, uh, it's just awesome to watch. And then the players were going to enjoy it. And the offensive players knew where they were going. The defensive players didn't. Uh, you knew we'd have some adventures on special teams, and we did. But to think that we had, uh, of the five touchdowns that were scored at one point, uh, I think there were six total for Iowa State. Uh, five of them were in excess of 70 yards. Midway in the fourth quarter, they're tied at 35, fellas, and they had only run two plays, Iowa State, two, on the Kansas State side of the field. So that meant all of their scoring was – was either 70 yards. I tell you, Abu Samu, uh, Sama, Abu Sama is a freshman that their two starting running backs didn't show up before the game. They hit the transfer portal. You know that because uh, Matt Campbell discovered that he needed to play this kid. Uh, and he's a true freshman and he's a stud and he's a star of the future. And he, he put on a show. Uh, I think it was in the end, 276 yards total. Uh, and and uh, four touchdowns, and he's a he's a star of the future, no doubt about it. And, and, and all Kansas smiles State after played the really, game too, really well. for, for good reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And and again, uh, it's the holiday, and that's the other factor too. You've got a committed audience. Uh, I think over two million people watched the game. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. I want to say maybe Georgia Tech, Georgia was on opposite us. I think my yep. friend Sean McDonough was doing that game. Uh, and you know, that was going to get a, a bigger audience, but, but the audience that we had was much stronger than a lot of people realize. And I think it's because, um, the, the environment had a lot to do with it. People love to watch on their big screen televisions. Uh, they love to watch that kind of environment that early in the season. Well, myself, Chad, Davey, we were texting each other about, Hey, mm-hmm. turn it on. Timmy B's game is excellent <laughs> right now. Um, uh, while you were uh, calling Oklahoma TCU in your prep there, how much talk was there about Levy and Mississippi State? Not a lot. Uh, I think that uh, most people thought that he would probably be in a position to get that job. 
So not not much, really. Um, it's very quiet because I think a number of yeah, very quiet. I think a number of people uh, sort of anticipated it, uh, but uh, Oklahoma had much bigger fish to fry than worrying about that. They they want to get to a uh, they wanted to get to a ten win season. They wanted to have an opportunity to get to a New Year's Six bowl, which is there for them. I mean, obviously they would have loved it if Oklahoma State. Uh, might have screwed the pooch that uh, they would get another chance at Texas, or maybe they didn't. I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't have wanted a rematch, but I, I, I would think they would have because they would have had a shot of going out of the Big 12 with a title as well. But um, yeah, that was an important game for Oklahoma to win, and you could tell when we were talking to them you know, and getting ready for that game. Uh, Brent Venables has had a really good turnaround season, even with the losses uh, that, he, uh, that he had to take. That Kansas one, I'm sure, still smarts a little bit. But um, having Gabriel healthy and good to go, most of the talk was, will Gabriel be able to go? And, and we, thought, we sort of thought all week that he would. So that was, that was most of the buzz in, in Norman. So Houston has an opening now. Uh, they, they get rid of Dana Holgerson. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. Tim, from your perspective, having called games of that program, you don't live that far away from that program. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and talking to people around college football, when they join the Big 12 – I heard more about Houston potentially being a problem for everyone in that conference than maybe any other me. program. Yeah. I was one of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I said, I said long-term. Yeah. Not immediately. I said long-term they've got the best ceiling for success. And how attractive and is I, that job now that it's open? Very, very. Tillman Fertitta is, um, I mean, I'm going to stop short of calling him T Boone Pickens, but he's close. Okay, in terms of the influence that he has over what they do. And um, I think that there came a time maybe with the local media when Dana, and I like Dana a lot. I think a a lot of people thought that when they got that West Virginia win, that he might have saved his job. And the way they got it, Spencer and I were there for that, the Hail Mary at the end of the game. But I think the Texas game was really important. And if they had won that game, and they could have won that game, I think Holgerson would have held on to his job uh, and they were competitive. But the problem for Dana was right after that, they got blown out. You know, how do you handle a full cup of success? How do you sustain success? And I think that that may be the issue. The program was a little bit like that during his stay, you know, a uh, big, big season, one year, high expectations with a proven quarterback. And he had tank Dale who's now lighting it up for the Texans coming back a year ago. Didn't have the kind of season they thought they would when they were, leaving the American. Um, and then this season, I think that the heat was on to a certain extent to, to have a quality first year to be a bowl team. I don't think they expected, uh, you know, to lose some of the games the way they did that rice game at the very beginning of the season, you know, that's an unforced error. You know, the guys didn't show up for that game. Um, and that's losing to a team that you're supposed to be far superior than in your own hometown. But he had a huge payout, and when he was asked about it, he said, well, you know, they, they're going to have to pay me blankety-blank-blank. And, <laughs> you know, uh, they – I think maybe maybe that statement got under the skin of some of those donors, including Tillman, and and that's the reason he's gone. Adano will be fine. He's a really good coach. Uh, he'll land against someplace else. But uh, that job is going to be one that's coveted, I think, uh, and because it, the, the long-term future – of Houston in that league with, with Oklahoma out and with Texas out. Now think about it. The big kahunas are who in that league in terms of 
being considered upper tier members of the Big 12. A lot of quality teams coming in from out west. Arizona's hot, fellas. That's a hot program. It's white hot with what Fish has done. He's on a lot of short lists now, as you know. Yeah. Um, Arizona State's only going to get better with Dillingham. That program's not going to stay down. And then you look at Utah and Colorado, the juice that's going to be coming from those two uh, of the remaining Big 12 teams out there. I would argue Oklahoma State and TCU are your upper tier teams now. Okay, and so the the heat's got to be turned up there because the infrastructure and the support that they have financially is really great. So the coaches are going to have to recognize that. And Sonny, more than anyone, is upset that he didn't follow up, you know, a run to the national title game with at least a bowl team this year. Now, I'm not going to rule out that they couldn't get in with APR with a five and seven. They might, but to not be able to back up a season like that. Uh, foundationally really hurts. But I think TCU will be fine because Sonny's, Sonny's still solid, and, and that program is too, and it's, and it's really well supported. But Houston, because of the marketplace that they represent and the recruiting base that Houston really is, protecting that means a lot. And uh, I think that's what Pertita has in mind. I'm not sure who the leader in the clubhouse is for that job, but I can tell you the line for it is a uh, long and vast one. Timmy B, Tim Brando with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Chad and I are, are, are fans and respect the hell out of you, Tim, for many reasons. But one of them is the old school approach. So I want to get your take on a couple of things here in rapid fire. Okay. F- FSU remains unbeaten of the ACC champion. Are they getting the college football playoff? Yeah, they will. And I think they will because the Oregon-Washington loser will be out. The Oregon-Washington winner will be in. Okay, but Florida State's got to win. I mean, they're playing against a team that lost to Kentucky for Christ's sakes. Right. Okay, <laughs> you cannot lose that game. They've got to win. What happens if Bama beats Georgia, and the SEC champion in that in that factor? Georgia's out. Then the decision has to be within the committee. Which one are you going to take, Alabama or Georgia? How far are you going to drop the team that lost? And in this case, based on your question, it's Georgia. Okay. How far are you going to drop them? I mean, um, Alabama's not getting in if they win, in my opinion, and Georgia loses. I think Alabama's out because Texas, if, if it beat, beats Oklahoma State, and I see no reason why they won't, Oklahoma State is a fairly one-dimensional team. I mean, if Ollie Gordon doesn't, doesn't run for 200-plus yards, I don't see Oklahoma State winning that game. So Texas, mano a mano, one in Tuscaloosa. I don't care how much pure playoff privilege you think you have, Bammers. You're not getting in over Texas. So forget about it. Um, in my opinion, Georgia could lose that game and and potentially, uh, you know, they, they, they could think they have a shot, but I don't think they have a shot because you got Florida State undefeated under this scenario and you've got a one loss uh, or, or undefeated Pac-12 champion. And you've got Michigan, they're going nowhere. Uh, I don't believe Ohio State should be ranked right now uh, below Alabama. Uh, Even if Alabama were to beat Georgia, I don't think they should. So, no, SEC is not going to get two in. And if Alabama beats Georgia, then I, I, I think there's a really good shot that no SEC team gets in. How about that, Chad? Tim, what do you think about Jonathan Smith leaving his alma mater to go to Michigan State? Heck of a move. I think he had to do it. He didn't know what the future would hold. You know, we had them twice this year 
at at uh, Corvallis. We had them against Utah uh, and against UCLA. So once in October and another game in early November. And when we were talking to him about that scenario, what what they were looking at, you know, the Pac-2, what do you do? And he said, well, <laughs> uh, after Thanksgiving, none of us know what's going to happen, right? None of us know what the future holds. And that was, to me, a big-time yellow flag that say, hey, <laughs> I'm a free agent. I'm ready to go. Sign me up, coach. Bring me in. I'm ready to go. Uh, Michigan State got a hell of a coach, and he got some much-needed stability uh, and support. Uh, he likely, had he stayed, would have been telling his guys, unless we get all of this money from uh, the lawsuit that was brought that one judge has ruled in favor of us on, Unless we get this $100 million out of a $400 million suit, then we're not going to be able to afford to pay our assistant coaches what we currently pay them. He didn't want to have to face that. I I don't blame him. If Jake Dickert were to get an offer, I think he'd be gone from Wazoo, too. Tim Brando has been our guest. Catch him uh, in some hoops action. Wisconsin and Montana, I believe, uh, coming up. And, of course, we always Uh, love the perceptions, Tim. Oh, Marquette. 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 Excuse me. Number, number, Number four, Marquette. Yep. And Wisconsin. Well, going to we'll, be a hell of a we'll game that. with Raft. Hoops yeah, has been awesome to the start. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate Tim, you. thank you as always, man. Timmy you got D. it, fellas. Billy Lucci's next. What's going on in College Station with the coaching hire? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Busy day at six of Peabody. A lot to recap today following the crazy college so football and NFL weekend. That's right. Uh, plenty to preview, too. And our next guest uh, was right in the center of one of the biggest stories in yes. sports over the weekend. Billy Lucci joins us, uh, owner of TexAgs.com founder. Uh, and, Billy, I've been following all the, the content on YouTube with you and Nuno and all the different names. You said there was no stone unturned uh, throughout this process. And then the process goes through Stoops at Kentucky. It ends with Elko from Duke. What all happened and how fast did this go down over the weekend? It went down pretty quickly. The, the search was pretty thorough. Took You know, you're talking about a couple week search and, and their goal the whole time was to have something done. I think the goal was to have something done the day after the LSU game, which is ultimately what happened. But I think you know, within a few days of that game, maybe by about, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday this week at the latest. So they were on schedule, they were on time, and there was a lot of ramp up. So cutting to the end of it, when they decided to pivot, um, and they decided to pivot, I know people in part of the country close to where you guys are don't want to believe that doesn't matter. I think both sides ultimately came out better off. Um but when they decided to pivot, it wasn't much of a pivot. I mean, I think by the time, uh, from the time they decided, you know what, this isn't really the way we're going to go. We're going to do this instead. By the time that happened, and, and I think they landed on Mike Elko very quickly. Um, and 
by the end of Saturday night, that was going to be the move. And I think Mike Elko probably woke up to that news Sunday morning. When a and decided to pivot, what caused that? What caused the yeah. pivot from Stoops to Elko ultimately? I think it was, first of all, it was one of those deals where it's, I had heard that there was a lot of momentum on Stoops on, on Friday. I think the first time I heard he was a, a real candidate might have been Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, and then Friday night, I put out, look, there's a ton of momentum here. And people on the AM side freaked out, like in terms of the text ags and stuff, the, yeah. the message boards. Um, and I think maybe, I, and I still think, didn't give enough credit to the job Stoops has done at Kentucky. And, and there's a whole conversation to be had in terms of what could he do at a place like this. But I think Mike Elko can do more. I, I think they're both really good coaches. I think defensive or, defensive background, defensive minded. But, uh, and I don't know that Mike Elko could do more. Very few people could do more than Stoops has done at Kentucky. With that said, I think Elko is a better fit here. And I think what happened was there was enough pushback and blowback that they stopped, and, and, and Ross Bjork and the search group presented this to the, the final, I don't know, it was necessarily all the regions. There were a couple of very vocal, prominent donors that kind of spoke out against it, I heard as well. And, I mean, their, their voices were heard from the standpoint that I think that belief was shared by other people uh, on the, you know, in terms of the decision-maker, people on the board, people at the highest levels of the university were kind of going, okay, wait a second. There is a lot of pushback here. We don't have to do this. We need to reconsider and, and, and think about what we're doing here. And I think when they had that conversation, which I know people don't want to hear this and they want to think that Ross brought it in there and got, you know, his idea got slapped down and said, no, but I think, you know, they were all a part of that discussion to say, guys, like we get it, but no, this, this isn't what we need to do. And look, that's not easy to do. And, and I do, no matter what anybody says, I think Mark Stoops had indicated or whatever, to whatever level he's taken that job. I think he agreed to it personally. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't tell anybody at Kentucky by the, by the time all this happened. It's hard to go back and say, we can't do this. It's almost like, wouldn't call it an engagement, but it's like breaking off an engagement. Like, it's the hardest thing to do when you go that far down that road, but it's the best thing to do when, when you don't feel totally comfortable with it, when something about it just doesn't seem quite right. We see it all the time on the side of the coach, don't we? All the time you see it on the side of the coach. I think the part that, that wasn't a good look, I don't think, and you guys have been through this, you've covered it at Tennessee. It was a oh, little, yeah. bit, little bit different, but similar in that there was just this like uprising, right, to say, no, this isn't as a fan base, as as decision making, like this is not what we want. Um, it's a little different because of all the stuff that was going on back then. Uh Chiana was, I think, a lot more of a of a hot button name, whereas Stoops, it was just kind of like, I don't know what happened. It, it was very organic, uh, a visceral reaction and outcry from the fan base. <clears throat> Had his name never come out in any capacity, and I wrote about it, and it was coming out, you know, on Saturday morning on the national shows, 
and the Kentucky people, and I think like KSR, they do as good a job as anyone in our space. And and they start doing podcast. Like had that had it never like trickled out, I think I think they uh, they were going to have that conversation anyway at the finish line, and maybe wrestled around with like, hey, is this too much money that we're going to have to pay on this one for what we're getting? And I think that conversation would have been had, and it would have been had in private. And a lot of people think it would have gone down had it not been for the outcry, but possibly not because they were going to have to make a final stamp and green light a decision to say, Hey, we're going to go and pay stoops. Probably, I don't know, eight, eight and a half million a year um, with easily attainable incentives. And he would be getting up to about that much, a little bit less than he was making at Kentucky. I think ultimately, but it was still a large amount of money. And they, they might have said, no, this isn't what we kind of originally thought we were going to do. I think the only way AM was going to go way up, guys, is if they had gotten like a Ryan Day or somebody, a Lanning, somebody that was really unattainable anyway. And Billy, you had the report, so you're the one to ask this. Do you think that AM wanted the news out as kind of a test balloon? Or no. did they just have the benefit of seeing the response? after you reported it, to know what the re reaction was going to be? Uh, an accidental test balloon, let's say. I don't think they wanted it out. I didn't get it from anybody on the A&M side. I got it through the whole coaching search cycle, you know, like the, the, the rumor mill. Yeah, I heard it from several people that were close enough that I trusted and said, okay, this is definitely real. It was almost one of those names, guys, where – Sometimes with what I do and what people in, in my space, you look like Tex Ags and Orange Bloods or, or Vol Nation, you know, any, any of these sites, KSR, Bama Online, whichever, a lot of times you ask the wrong people these things and then the, and you get those magic words, but like, <clears throat> but don't say anything yet because, or, you know, and I always joke, I'm like, the best way to keep things from getting out is just, to find whoever has got the largest platform and leak everything to them and say, don't say anything yet. Um, Cause there is payoff in the end for that. You know, that's how these your relationships work everywhere. And I've, you know, we've been, those of us that have been doing this as long understand the value of trust. And to me, I had heard from enough people that I didn't want to go. I didn't need to go confirm. I knew it was true. And, uh, so there was no test balloon, but if they were smart, I knew they would use that as, as a trial balloon. I was very interested when I saw the reaction on Friday night and then on into Saturday morning, then you got people like Feldman and Thamel and talking about it Saturday. And then I think the Aggie fans started to go, man, this is actually real. This might be a thing. And the pushback was pretty eye-opening. And I don't think people make that decision based on fan put pushback. But I do think fan pushback opens your eyes to say, wait a second, why are they feeling that way? And it this is, do we need to tap the brakes and think about this and talk about this a little more? Just a couple um, of minutes. That Saturday night meeting had already been scheduled, though, okay. prior to how that was going to go down. A couple of minutes left here, Billy. I'm, I'm going to get your perspective on this because I'm, I'm interested to hear the background. Uh, you and uh, Nuno, the most recent YouTube clip I was watching of you you ruled out Lanning, of course, Dan Campbell, uh, Dabo, Dion. 
you would not rule out Ryan Day. How real was that? Dabo Dion, Dan, Dan, Day. Um, I don't think Day was I, – I didn't rule it out because there was so much smoke out there about it that I was like, gosh, I've done this so long that smoke equals fire typically. Um, I did not make one call to anyone I trusted that really knew anything okay. that their day was real. And I really followed up on that because I did understand the heat he was going to catch if they lost to Michigan. And, and I, I think A&M kicked the tires on, on him and Lanning and, and those guys. It was, it wasn't happening. And, and day was not interested in leaving Columbus. And I, I, it was a stretch to even think he would other than man, would he just want to get out one year ahead of, of, of the posse, so to speak, but why, why would he even think that they would even fire him in a year for that matter? So I didn't think I was skeptical, but I didn't want to rule it out. And the more I followed up on it and even on Friday, I said, guys, this isn't real. And I love where A&M landed fellas. It is the fit for Texas A&M at this point in time. I think Elko is everything they need as a coach. And it's an added bonus that he knows more than half of this football team. He recruited them. They played for him. And then just the fact that he was here and, and can understand, like, you know, he was sitting there guys the whole time he was here going, this is what I would do if I was a head coach and not to second guess the boss, but he's just sitting there yeah. watching. Going, and it's different there. That's great perspective for him. Yeah. B I would Billy, do this, Billy, we this got, this. sorry, Billy, we got about a minute left. One more question for you. $11 million for the assistant coach salary. Um, in that pool, which is big. Can you give us one name to watch for his staff? Oh, gosh. I, I really, honestly, right now, I'd say no. I think he'll bring a few of the guys from Duke, you know, Ish Aristide, Tyler Santucci. They were here with him prior. Uh, Trooper Taylor has a long history in Texas. I think he's coming. I believe the strength coach is coming. Um, Elijah Robinson is a guy that Elko is going to do everything he can to keep. And I believe, I believe A&M will as well. And I think he'll stay. Um, as far as a name, no. As far as a position, that OC hire is going to be really fascinating. But also, Coach Johns has done an amazing job there, and he did at Memphis prior to that. So I think that position is pretty fascinating. When you look at Elko's defensive background, what's he going to do? Because you saw that, you heard that $11 million. Yeah. If he wants, he's going to have a lot of money to spend on an OC. So there are a lot of crazy names being thrown around, but they're crazy enough that I wouldn't even say them yet. Billy Lucci is uh, ingrained in all things Aggie athletics, football, and it knows all. It, having you on is great perspective here, Billy. Thank you as yeah, always. We appreciate man. you doing that. You've been very busy. Thank you, Billy. I love it, man. You guys are the best. Thanks. We'll get to uh, Cliff Kingsbury coming back yeah. to College <laughs> Station. You heard it. <laughs> Johnny Kidding. Football. He didn't say that. Johnny Football. That's the name that immediately popped in my mind yeah. was that it's a homecoming. Yes. <laughs> uh, Billy Lucci uh, there. Tex Ags has got you covered on all things uh, coaching search. But it's it just that one, that one leaves a lot of dominoes. Yeah. That higher. By the way, totally buy that it was A&M who walked away and oh, not yeah. Stoops. Yeah. Well, but he. I know the, the spin now is that Stoops never officially accepted it, but I think he was going to leave had everything come together. They, they never truly, fully accept the offer, do they? No. 
And Always look, I, I think out. it worked out well for Kentucky, and I think it worked out fine for Stoops. It looks great for Kentucky. Who's still in a good spot for what he's done at Kentucky. No doubt. Uh, there was also that – Billy's also the one that reported. It was like, Saturday's result matters for him. Yeah. That, that was an intriguing detail. And then they win against Louisville. And, and then you still have their He's the result. got even more leverage at Kentucky after getting an offer like that from AM. Chad, a lot to get to tomorrow already. Monday night football tonight. Dobbs back in prime time against the Bears. We still have so much to react to over the weekend that we couldn't really hit everything today that it's going to be Thursday before we can look ahead to the weekend. And that's when the weekend starts on this show. Is every Thursday. Join us tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern. Hot Mike with Eddie Withrow across the Outkick Network. <laughs>